you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next Sunday morning, we're going to have a very special guest, the uh, director, the president of New York School of Urban Ministry, Peter DiArruda. He preached on the Friday night of our 30th anniversary weekend. He preached a powerful message. He will be here next Sunday. Don't miss it. Invite somebody with you. It will be just a blessing. It will be a powerful time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have like just uh, like four mini sermons of seven minutes apiece. And uh, the purpose and the goal is to encourage your faith. And what I want us to do at the end is to pray for you and to pray with you and believe God this morning to touch you. How many of you need a touch from the Lord? In Psalm 23, we're told that the Lord is our shepherd. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. And we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And what I learned when I went to Israel, uh, we think of the valley of the shadow of death as death itself. But when I went to Israel, I found out that the valley of the shadow of death was literally a valley from Jerusalem to Jericho that was a very uh, uh, hard, difficult place to travel through because of bandits, because of robbers, because it was just wild animals, and, and the psalmist David wrote that. He says, though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, it's like death, but you know what, God, you're with me, and you stay with me, and you bring me through. And I want you to understand, turn to the person next, you say, you're not the only one. And I don't say that in any way to be insensitive, but I do know that everyone thinks that they're the only one, and you don't know what I'm going through, and that's why I'm not going to come to church regularly. I'm not serving because I'm going through hell. But I think it was Winston Churchill, the prime minister of Europe, uh, of Great Britain, who says, when you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. Amen. If you're going through hell, keep going. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to ask Pastor Mike to start us off and begin to share the Word of God. Would you open up your hearts and your spirit to receive the Word of God this morning? Amen. Good morning, church. Thank you, Pastor Richard, for just the opportunity to get to share. I'm excited um, because I know God has spoken to me, but I'm excited because I know he's spoken through the rest of those who are going to be sharing this morning, and I can't wait to hear what, how God is going to connect it all. Um, so let's just pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is just, it's living and active, God. Lord, it is full of your grace. It is full of your glory. And Father, we ask this morning that our ears would be open to hear what you want to speak. And God, that we would be doers of your word as we leave here today and go about the rest of our week. Lord, just let us walk in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are going to be in Joshua chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Joshua chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 24. And I'm just going to share a little bit about that it's important to understand history. Amen? We have to understand history in order to understand what, thing, what is happening now and what could possibly happen in the future. I understand I am in Red Sox territory, and so for me, one of the hardest lessons of history was 2004, being a Yankees fan, of knowing that the Red Sox had not won in 80, was it 86 years and so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed being a Yankees fan, just taunting Red Sox fans that they had not won. Some of my friends weren't even born, so I'd never seen them win anything. And 2004 eventually came. And 
what was so crazy about that series was not only did they defeat my beloved Yankees, but it was the history. It was understanding how many years that they went through. And so when they won, I mean, Boston erupted. I mean, people were watching. There was celebration. And if you didn't know history and you watched that game, it would not mean anything to you. When we understand what has happened in the past, when we understand and have an idea of things that have happened in the past, it helps us to understand the, the, the future, and it helps us to understand the present. Amen? And so I'm just going to read through these verses and just give a little bit of a historical background so you have some understanding for when the other speakers come up and share what God has put on their heart. Amen? Because we want you to get the truth that God wants to speak this morning. Are you guys all there? Just setting my little timer on my watch because I want to honor the time. So that's ticking away. All right, so Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 through 24 says, The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. We have been stressing the importance year after year of being in the Word of God. We sell Bibles at the Welcome Center that will take you through the Bible in a year. And we would encourage you to please, if you have never read through the Bible, please make that something on your list. Start today because it is so important to understand the history and what God has done through the people of Israel because when you understand what God has done in the past, you're going to see his hand in your life in the present and you're going to be able to have faith for the things that he wants to do in the future. Amen? The verses that we just read, if you don't understand God, if you don't understand the Bible or the history, that's not going to mean much to you. You might be able to get something out of it because, yes, it sounds good, but when you begin to understand the history of what God has done to bring him up to this point now, it's powerful because God, from the beginning of time, has always been working miracles. Amen? Whether you believe it or not, if this is your first time here today, if you have not confessed Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you've been walking with God for 30 years, God is the God of miracles, no matter what you believe or no matter what you think. And when you can grasp that this morning, you're going to be able to have faith for God to do things in the future. Amen? It might not be tomorrow morning. It might not be next week. But we have to learn how to have faith, not just for our own lives, but for our children and for future generations if Jesus should tarry. Amen? And so we have this moment where the people came out of the Jordan, so they were coming out of a miracle already. They had seen miracles in the past, and we are on the the precipice right here of a miracle. They're stepping out of a miracle. And sometimes in our lives when God does something powerful or works miracles in our lives, sometimes we experience the miracle, but then we experience a dry season, or as Pastor was saying, it's a valley. And we have to learn as Christians not to live by the highs of the miracles, but even in the seasons where things are dry, learning how to have faith for God to do it again. Amen? And this is what God was about to do. And this was now in the, man, the life of a man named Joshua. 
The amazing thing is there are people who preceded Joshua who God did amazing things in their life. Joshua was now the man at this time in this generation who God was going to use to do further miracles. But since the beginning of time, when God started with a blank slate, when he created the world, that was a miracle. And from that day till now, to us sitting in this room, God has done so many miracles in our lives. And we want to share that using the word of God so that we can be excited because God is not done. Amen? He's not finished with victory. The miracles that he's done the past 30 years would blow you away. We could sit here for hours just recounting of the amazing things that God has done. And it's good to look in the past, but we need to build faith for the future. We need to build faith for now, and we need to teach our children how to live in faith. Amen? And so the people came out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal. Now, just to give a little bit of history The people of Israel were suffering 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And God's plan was to bring them out of Egypt and to bring them to the promised land. And that did not happen overnight. God has spoken promises over your life, maybe promises over your children's life, but it's not going to happen overnight. Sometimes we have to pray and have faith for God to move. And so we had this amazing miracle in the life of Moses. So Moses preceded Joshua, and we could take time and look at Moses' life and see how God used him mightily. But even when there was Moses, before Moses, there was Joseph. Before Joseph, there was Jacob. Before Jacob, there was Isaac. And before Isaac, there was Abraham. All of these men God called up and raised up in their time and in their generation and had something special that he wanted to do in their life. Amen? You know, one thing that we all have in common is we have a limited lifespan. God has given us numbers. If, if I had lived to be 2,000 years, if you were 2,000 years old, or you were born the day when God started creating the universe, how, how much faith do you think you would have if you were able to live through all of those years of what God has done? Our faith would be at the highest level. The problem is, is we have a limited life. And so God did things in the life of Abraham, but Abraham died. He did things in the life of Isaac, but Isaac died. He did things in, in Jacob's life, in Joseph's life, in Moses, and now Joshua's. But their lives are limited. So there's an important context of realizing that it's not just about us. We have to be feeding faith to the next generation. Because if, we, if our faith is good and our faith is, is at the highest peak, then what does that matter if our life is limited and we're going to eventually pass away as well? We have to be looking ahead. And God wants us to be doing that. And it says right here, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border. So if we, could have, if we had a map, Egypt would be somewhere over here. Jericho would be way up here. And so the Israelites went from Egypt. They traveled across the Red Sea. They came all the way down and went all the way up, over 6,000 miles of God doing amazing things. And now they were encamping at the place, at the precipice of the promised land. They were coming out of a miracle, but they didn't know that there was going to be a blockage ahead of them. And so God told them to do something specific. It says here, in those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Gilgal would be the place, it would be a base camp. It would be the place where God said, I want you to take these stones. I want you to put them here because I want you to remember not only in your lifetime what I have done, but if your children ask what these were for, I want them to remember what I have done because he knows human nature. It's very easy to forget, isn't it? God can do mighty things in your life, but it can be very easy to forget. 
And so God has set Joshua up at this time, at this base camp. And I believe this morning God wants to set a base camp up for us, for our generation, to say this is my time for God to do something. God is about to move. I don't know what's going to be there. For them it was Jericho. For you it's going to be another kind of a wall that the enemy is going to try and put in your way. But we need to have faith to set up camp now for future generations so that God can move again in a mighty way. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. God is about to do something new. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about hungering for more of God. Verse 21, Joshua spoke to the children of Israel saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, What are these stones? Then you should tell your children, let your children know saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. Talking about miracles. God wants us to remember the miracles in our lives. Have you ever had a miracle in your life? Come on. Amen. We have to remember his blessings and his faithfulness throughout uh, the years that when we're about to face more situations and trials, we can look back and see God was faithful and he continues to be faithful in all that we have ahead of us. And that is why the stones were there, to remind the people of God's power, of his glory. God wanted it known and remembered that he is the living God. He is the one that acts on behalf of the people. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. It is something we need to be reminded about repeatedly. Like Pastor Mike just said, we often forget the goodness of God. When we're in the midst of a trial, what happens? We forget what God has done in the past. We forget of the goodness of God, how he's answered prayer over and over and over again, how he touched us over and over, how he spoke over our lives, and we forget. And we say, God, where are you? But we need to be reminded that he is alive. He's working on our behalf. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, right? God is working. He never stops. And that's a great song that we sing, but I want to encourage you this morning to cultivate your hunger for God, our connection with God. You know, I know personally God has given me a greater hunger for more, to know him more. You'd think I've been serving God over 30 years that I would know him. No, Paul even cried out to know God more. We can never know God until we see him face to face. There is always more. There is always something ahead doesn't matter how long you've been saved or how newly saved you are. You need to just press in and get to know our God. He's a mighty God. I want to just talk about a few of my memorial stones. The very first one was our salvation, my salvation. The day I met the Lord Jesus Christ when I cried out to him by myself in my house at the kitchen table. And I had an experience with God that I can't explain except that I knew he was there. His presence was so powerful. I had a vision of him on the cross, and I weeped like a baby. And I don't know how long I weep, but when I get up from that, I knew I had met with the God, the living God. And I have never turned back from that day forward. It took me a while to get involved in church and everything, but God's hand was upon me. That was a memorial stone that no matter what, I may not know all the scriptures and argue all the different philosophies that are out there, but I know that God is in me, and nothing's going to change that. No one can shake that from me. 
Many of you prayed for my nephew. That's another memorial stone. People are praying for loved ones, praying for the wayward children. I had a nephew that was out on the streets, homeless, out of his mind. And I can tell you today, he is in a sound mind. He's back driving. He's working. He is a miracle. But that's God's faithfulness. See, we have to encourage one another with the testimonies of how God touched us and how he's blessed us because other people are going through the same things. You know, we have to encourage one another that will encourage my sister that has a brother or a sister or a nephew or someone out there wandering. God is able. He's no respecter of person. He's able to do it. Then I think of all the good times of the revival services, Brownsville. You know, Brownsville, we walk into restaurants and people were just laying on the streets, on the sidewalk, go in, everybody's praying, everybody's talking about Jesus. You know, those are memorial stones in my life, how the power of God touched me at these revival services, Brownsville, Rodney Howard Brown, different ones that I've gone to. You know, even on the streets, you'd see how God, when we're out ministering, how God has moved in a powerful way. I can go on and on about that, but I just want to give you a little glimpse of what we need to be sharing with one another to encourage one another to believe God because he is able to do whatever you have need of, and he wants to do it again. You know, um, I can go on and on about victory here, too. We've had powerful, powerful encounters with God. You know, at the storefront, I can remember people getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. God just moved in a powerful way. Admiral Street, the same thing. We used to have two services. Well, the first service never ended. It just went on and carried on, and the presence of God was so awesome. You know what? We've had touches and glimpses of God's glory here, but I know he's about to do more, and I know it's coming. And that's what we're trying to encourage Get that hunger for God. Press in. Press in. The presence of God is so powerful. I've been just sitting in his presence and just listening to soaking music, just sitting in his presence. And it's just a time of just getting to know him even more. There's so much more we need to see God. How many want to see a move of God in here and in our own personal life? It all begins with the thirst, a hunger, when our body realizes it needs something that it isn't getting. Jesus says in, uh, in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for, for me with all your heart. Are you hungry for Jesus today? If you're not, all you have to do is ask God, give me a hunger for you. There's a story I just want to share about this teenage boy who had just gotten his license. And when he got home, he asked his father, who was a minister, if they could discuss about using the car. His father took him into the study and said to the boy, I'll make a deal with you. If you bring up your grades, study your Bible, and get a haircut, then we'll talk about the use of the car. About a month later, the boy came back, asked his father again if we could discuss the use of the car. Again, they went into his study. And the father said, son, I'm so proud of you. You have brought up your grades. You have studied the Bible diligently, but you didn't get your haircut. The young man waited a minute and replied, Dad, I've been thinking about that. But what about Samson had long hair? Moses had long hair. Noah had long hair. Even Jesus had long hair. But the father interrupted him and said, yes, but they all walked wherever they went. 
It's a funny thing, but he was so close to getting what he wanted, but he wasn't willing to go the whole way. And isn't that like many Christians today? We want God. We want the power of God, but we're not willing to sacrifice. We're not willing to press in. You know, we need to just press in more. We need to be desperate. He wasn't desperate enough for it to drive that car. And we're not desperate sometimes. And a lot of Christians are not desperate and willing to go the extra mile to press in to see God's power manifested. But you know what? There is a people in this church I know that are hungering for the move of God. I know the pastor and the uh, pastoral staff elders, we've been praying and believing God for an outpouring of the Spirit. And I believe God is raising up people in our church that are going to press in for more of God and hunger and thirst and see God move in a powerful way. We we need to heed the instructions that Joshua gave to the people in uh, Joshua 3.5. He said, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will perform wonders among you. Pastor talked about idols last week. We need to get rid of the idols in our life. Sometimes we don't even realize they're idols. But get in the Lord's presence, he'll show you what needs to go. You know, we need to surround ourselves with people who are hungry for God. If you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you will be ungodly. If you stand in the way of sinners, you will be a, a sinner. If you sit in the seat of the scornful, you'll be a critic of God. But if you run with those that are hungry and have a passion for God, it's contagious. You will get that appetite. So if you want to be red hot for God, check the temperature of those you're hanging around with. One of the biggest killers for hungering for God or having a spiritual appetite is being satisfied where we're at. Don't, get, don't be satisfied. I'm thank God, I thank God for pastor. He's never satisfied. He's always pressing us forward. Really, because if it wasn't for pastor pressing us forward, I think we'd be sitting there, not pressing in as much as we need to. And I thank God that he never gives up. He knows that there's so much more in God. And we all know there's more in God. But sometimes we need that encouragement to press in, to go forward. And we know God has so much more for here at Victory. And like Paul, we need to press on. Like it says in Philippians 3.13, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things that are ahead. So I want to encourage you today to press on to all God has for you. There is so much more of God that we have not experienced yet. We need to set time aside every day. Pastor Mike was saying, read the word, memorize the word, pray. Spend time just sitting in his presence. Let him just love on you and sanctify yourself. Get rid of those things, those idols. Pray for revival. True revival will come about as a result of a deep hunger for God. And as we cry out to God and seek him with all our hearts, we're going to see God do wonders in our midst. God bless you. I was hoping either Pastor Mike or Pastor Maureen would go under their time so I could take their time, have more minutes, but don't worry, I'm not going to do that. Well, we are grateful for the word of God in this church. It's changed our lives. It has taught us, and we have come to know that it's alive. And when you need wisdom, when you need answers, this is the book you go to. Whatever size print you need, I have giant print because my eyesight's not good. I can see the promises of God in giant print. So there's no excuse. Even on your phone, you can make it giant print. 
but we're grateful for the word of God and, and, and just this opportunity to share a little bit about this happening and this miracle from the book of Joshua. And pastor asked me to talk for a couple of minutes on hope from this scripture and how we can have hope. So Joshua 4, 24, the beginning of that verse says, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. So we want to talk about hope for a couple of minutes, and we want to talk about those memorial stones that they set up. We've seen a little bit of the history. We've seen the importance of setting them up. And now we want to talk about the hope that it gives us when we set up these memorial stones. So they took out the 12 stones from right out of the Jordan when they got out on the other side and they set them up. So 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and the Lord told them, set them up to tell your children the story. So that when they ask, what in the world do you have these piles of stones for? You can tell them the miracle of when I brought you up out of the Jordan. And I believe it's also for, it was also for the Israelites themselves to remember. And I believe it's for us to remember now. There's nothing in this word that is a waste of our time when you read it. Everything that's in this word is for a purpose. This is a God-inspired word. It's for our lives today as much as it was all those years ago. It's for us and it's for our children to come. And I was thinking about this just sitting here. The Israelites, that older generation, had that Red Sea experience, and now the children are going to be told also about the Jordan experience when God dried up those huge bodies of water. And I was thinking, Lord, let every generation, ours, that the generation that's represented here that's older than us, and the one that's coming after us, we all need Red Sea and Jordan River uh, experiences. We need those in our lives so that we can take those memories and set them up and think about them. And not look, like, as Pastor Mike said, we want to go forward. We don't want to live in the past, but we want to remember the past, those good things that God has done. Because we want to be able to tell other people. And it builds hope because what happens, you look back and you see he did it once, twice, three times, countless times. And you remember those times so you know God will do it again. And that gives us hope. Without hope, we are just absolutely hopeless. There's a mental condition that's essential to the life God wants you to live. It's the fuel your heart runs on. It's the single biggest difference between those who persevere and those who give up. It's the powerful force that causes your mind to explore every possibility and overcome every obstacle. It's a simple little word with endless amounts of power, and it is called hope. I could tell you countless stories of times in my life, if I, including today, in my life today, if I did not have hope, I don't know what I would have done. Many times it's hard to get out of bed if you don't have hope. It's hard to go to your job that you're not making enough money to cover your bills if you don't have hope that God's going to provide for you. It's hard to get back down on your knees and pray for a nephew for years and years. And I can tell you, Pastor Maureen has prayed for years and years and years. And how many times have we had conversations and we would say, get your eyes off Brendan and get him on God. Get them off people that you're praying for and get them on God because God is greater than any need in your life and than any person whose heart or mind or anything might be too far gone for us. It's not too far gone 
for God. And those are memorial stones. I want you this week, take some time, even this afternoon, come on, people, take some time and get out a journal or something and write down some things that God has done for you so that you can get that hope and that faith built back up in you again. I went through a, and, and, and I'm not saying this to whine, and we don't tell you testimonies to whine, but I went through a heck of a year, I'll tell you. And through that year, there were times that I felt alone. There were times that I felt discouraged, two surgeries, uh, pain and suffering, endless. No, it didn't look like there was an end in sight. This is just my lot in life, but I had hope. And I had people praying for me. And so at the end, or, or actually partway through it, because I actually had ministry to do out of state, in the middle of that battle, <laughs> and I was thinking about this this morning, I wrote down my memorial stone. I wrote down the story of the anxiety, of the, of the tension, of the depression, of the pain, of the wondering and the questioning and the doubting, and, and this is never going to change. I wrote those things down, and I'm able to minister on that now, and that's a memorial stone for me. I have two big scars on my back to prove it, and I can take a mirror and look at those scars, and I can say those are memorial stones. You know why? I'm not remembering the pain and the suffering. I'm remembering that God brought me through that. And so we have pain, we have suffering, we have disappointment. There are things that don't go our way. But if you set up the memorial stones in your heart, in your mind, and you talk about them and you rehearse them, God will give you the hope that you need to go forward and to believe for greater miracles in your life. What is your Jordan? What is your Red Sea? Is it a financial battle? Is it a physical battle? Is it a marital battle? A spiritual battle? There are many things that people go through. None of the people in this church that minister to this congregation ever stand up there and feel far removed from you. Everyone that you see on the elder board and the ministry staff, we all have times of suffering and heartache and, and uh, uh, asking God, how long, how long, how long? So we know that many of you in this congregation suffer and have those same battles that you go through in your own lives. But remember, as it says in this verse, the hand of the Lord is mighty. The hand of the Lord is mighty. Walk in that hope. Keep that hope. Believe in that hope. When the devil comes to lie to you and say, it's all over, why do you bother? You say, Satan, get behind me. You're under my feet. Get out of here. You're a liar. Come on, start talking back to him. Replay, get, get, get those replaying cassettes or CDs or MP3s or iTunes or whatever out of your brain and get in the word of God and start repeating the word of God over your life. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of all hope. See, if you have hope, it says he will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. If you have hope, you'll be able to trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Job 11:18 says, having hope will give you courage. Do you need some courage today to face some really difficult battles? Do you need some courage today to stand up in the presence of God and say, I'm sorry, God, I have really royally messed up my life? Do you need that courage to be able to do that? 
God can give you that hope that no matter what you've done, no matter how you've blown it, no matter how you've messed up, you can come into God's presence and say, God, I surrender. I want what you have for me. Job 11:18. having hope will give you courage. You will be protected and will rest in safety. So many scriptures in the word of God. If we read it, it renews our mind. We're told to renew our mind. How do you do that? By watching TV? There's nothing wrong with TV if you're watching something clean, but it's not going to renew your mind. Get in the word of God. Read. Psalm 46.5 says, God will help you at the break of day. That gives me hope. Maybe at the end of a terrible day, I can read that, and I can go to sleep with that scripture on my mind. God's going to help me at the break of day. Lamentations 3.32, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. There's hope. That's a promise. That's for you. Hebrews 13.8, well, God did something. I don't know if he can do this in my life. This is big. Uh-uh. The word says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. See these scriptures? They fill us with hope. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your needs and my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I love this, Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for the night. And the night isn't the same in, in a 24-hour term. We don't know how long the night is, but we do know the promise says joy comes in the morning. Get in the word of God, you will find your hope. Amen. 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 Let me just sum all this up and bring it all together as we close and lead into a time of prayer. Um, if, if you're still in Joshua chapter 4, uh, verse 24, it says that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that all the peoples of the earth may know, all the peoples, everyone, that you, you may know. And as, as I bring this together, this, this encounter with God, this experience with God is critical. It, it is, it is let, me, let me put it this way, it's not an option. You know, when you go to a restaurant, uh, go to a uh, buffet, especially Chinese restaurants, buffet. And what happens at a buffet? Well, no, you, yeah, you keep eating, but no. No, you pick and choose what you want. I like this. I don't like this. This isn't a buffet. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord. Why is this critical? Because without a knowledge of the hand of God, without an experience with God, without an encounter with God, go over to Judges, Judges chapter 2. I want to read something that, that's going to just kind of emphasize or... or Connect the dots for you of what I'm trying to say. Judges is right after Joshua, so you're not too far. If you're in Joshua, just turn right, one turn. 
Judges chapter 2, verse 6. When Joshua, who are we talking about? We're reading the book of Joshua. When Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. Verse 7, listen to what it says. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done. Are, are you there? So Joshua... As long as Joshua was alive, the elders along with Joshua, the Bible says that uh, Victory Church served the Lord as long as Pastor Richard was alive. Well, that, that's, that's what it's saying, right? It, uh, in essence. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when, when, his, uh, when he was 110 years old. Pastor Richard died when he was 110 years old. I'll take that. Amen. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance at Tinneth Heres in the mountain of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gas. When all the now listen to this, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord and nor the work which he had done for Israel. Another after after Joshua passed away, after the elders passed away, after those who had put memorial stones up had passed away, the Bible says, another generation arose who knew not the Lord nor his power. So when I read that, the question is, how can this be? Because in the end of, of Joshua chapter 4, verse uh, uh, 19 to 24, we read about the memorial stones that they were to be set up and that the parents were to tell their children in time to come when the children would, would say, what do these stones mean? Then you would tell them about the mighty works of God. So the question is, did they not tell them or did the, the children or the next generation not understand and know and experience God for themselves? Now, my, my proposition to you this morning is that they did their best to tell them, but it's not enough just to hear about it. You have to experience it for yourself. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. To experience it for yourself is critical. Now, the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. It doesn't say how old. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're getting that. You don't have children yet, so you don't understand what I'm trying to say this morning. When, when the child, when he grows up, was it 20? Is it 30? Lord, why didn't you tell us what age it would be? Train up a child in the way he should go. But even that child has to have an encounter with God for themselves. The Bible tells us that, 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 that another generation arose and they knew not the Lord nor his mighty power. And, and again, when it says no, that word no means to know experientially, to know intimately. It's one thing for the next generation to hear about the power of God, to, to know about the power of God. It's another thing for them to experience God's power. 
And my contention this morning is that the next generation must experience the power of God for themselves. They must know the Lord for themselves. They must feel His glory, feel His power, feel His anointing. Because once you do, you are marked forever. Once you know and experience God, you cannot be talked out of it. I have been touched by God from from my teenage years when I first came to know the Lord, when I first began to experience His glory, His power, His supernatural touch, and those experiences have marked me forever. It doesn't matter what argument people would have. It doesn't matter what people would say. I know that I know that I know that the power of God is is real. Now look at verse 11 as I just bring this to a close. We're in Judges chapter 2. We said that the generation of Joshua, the elders, they passed away after the memorial stones. Another generation arose and the Bible says they didn't know the Lord. They, they didn't worship the Lord. Now look what happened. Then, when? Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and they served the Baals. What am I saying this morning? If the next generation does not have an encounter with God. Now, I'm not talking about emotionalism or sensationalism. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, these dramatic things. Because we know that you could experience God like Elijah. Remember Elijah, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah was depressed and he wanted to die. And the Lord came to him. And the Bible says the Lord was not in the fire. The Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. But how did God come to Elijah? A still, small voice. What am I saying? You could experience God today just in in God just speaking to your heart in just this still, small voice. So I'm not saying it has to be this dramatic, powerful, outward demonstration of God. It could be a simple, small voice in your heart. But if a younger generation, if a person doesn't experience God, see, God is real, and he is a real God. He's a personal God, and if you don't experience him from yourself, then the children of Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. Why was that? Because now a generation that does not experience and know God will now look for other gods. We'll now look for other pleasures. We'll now look for other satisfaction. But when you taste and see that the Lord is good, when you drink of that water, you will never thirst again. When you experience God, it is so real and so powerful, you will not turn to lesser idols and lesser gods because you have the one true God. Can you say amen? One author said, It only took one generation for the memory of the great things God had done for Israel during Moses and Joshua's time to grow dim and with it the true knowledge of God himself. What a sad, sad epitaph. You know, I have, I have understood the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God to touch a people. This morning, God wants to touch your life, but as we heard, there needs to be a hunger and a thirst after God. This morning, there needs to be a have, there has to be a hope that God wants to do it, and God will do it again. See, God can touch your sick body today. God can set you free from an addiction today. God can rec- resurrect a dead marriage. God can restore the years the locust has eaten. God can make a way there is where there is no way. We need to believe God can do it again. 
that we are going to see a victory. Would you stand together with me this morning? Would you stand all over this place? Let me read something that I, that I came across. I think, I think it was by Warren Wearsby in his book on the book of Judges. This is so powerful. He says it's so good. He said, the danger in this day that we live in of pluralism or moral relativism, when society contains people of opposing beliefs and lifestyles, it's easy to get confused and start thinking that tolerance is the same as approval. It isn't. In a democracy, the law gives people the freedom to worship as they please. And we as Christians must exercise patience and tolerance with those who believe and practice things that we feel God has condemned in his word. The church today doesn't wield a sword, and therefore it has no authority to eliminate people who disagree with the Christian faith. But we do have the obligation before God to maintain a separate walk so we won't become defiled by those who disagree with us. God says, come out from among them. Be separate. Do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We must seek by prayer, witness, and loving persuasion to win those to Christ who as yet have not trusted in him. This morning, as the worship team comes, I want you to move out of your seats, come around this front, and I want you to tell God, do it again in my life. Do it again in my life. And if he's never done it in your life, say, God, do it today in my life. Let this be the day that you work in my life. God, that I might teach another generation, that the next generation may know the power of God. Come on, brothers and sisters. It's your turn. What are you leaving to the next generation? A dead faith or a living Savior? Come on, let's seek God before we leave this place. I'll have no official closing. You can leave as you feel the, the Spirit releases you but but just come around these altars we'll pray with you but let's seek and say God do it again in my life God do it in my children's life come on God knows where your children are at today come on God knows how to visit them give them dreams God knows how to arrest them God knows how to, how to go after our loved ones that are far from God come on we need to leave something to another generation not just words but the power of God Come on, let's worship, let's pray. Come on, all over this place. Just move out of your seats. Come around these altars. Press in and seek God. Seek God for revival. Seek God for the glory of God to fill this place. That our young people would experience God like never before. That our children would have encounters with God. Amen. Come on, just pray all over this place as we worship.